The Magidim of old used to tell a story. In Poland at the time, there were the Polish farmers who lived in the fields, and they used to often do business with the Jewish storekeepers in town. And the way it worked is that Paul would bring his produce to town, the storekeeper would buy it from him, and would then sell it in retail to all the people of the town. And the story was told about a certain Polish farmer who was illiterate. And he used to bring his sacks of flour that he had grown on the farm once a year to the storekeeper in town. The storekeeper would buy all the sacks of flour from him and that, would have, well, that way would have supplies to sell to the townspeople the whole winter. But how are they going to keep track of how many bags of flour he had taken and therefore how much he'd have to pay him? So they agreed on an arrangement that every time the farmer took a sack of flour off the wagon and gave it to the storekeeper, the storekeeper would take a penny, a kopeck then, and put it into a bowl. And another bag of flour, another kopeck in the bowl. And at the end they agreed that they would count the amount of kopecks in the bowl and that would tell them how many bags of flour the storekeeper had bought and then he would pay the full price for however many bags it was. Okay. The agreement started to work. The farmers of learning bags. Each time the storekeeper put another coin into the bowl. And it took some time. There were a lot of bags of flour. There were a lot of copics in the bowl. And at one stage, the Polish farmer couldn't restrain himself. And in a second, when the storekeeper turned his back, he quickly grabs a handful of the coins and puts them in his pocket. Thinking, he had successfully stolen some extra coins, but not realizing that he had lost so much more. Because each kopeck was worth much, much more the value of a whole bag of flour. This week's Parsha, Parsha's told us, if you look at it, it's tragic. It's the tragedy of Asaph. And if we look at the Pesukim, we can start to feel for Asaph. Asaph is the oldest son Esav is the one that Yitzchak wants to give the brachos to. And Yitzchak calls him in. And he tells Esav, go out, prepare food for me, so I'll be able to give you a bracha. And Esav goes to try. And he spends the morning running around trying to catch animals in order to prepare them for Yitzchak. And eventually, eventually, when Esav is successful, and he comes back late afternoon, with the food he's prepared, it took him the whole day, only to find and he lost out. The bracha was already given to Yaakov. And Esau cries aloud. The injustice. He's the oldest son. He should get the bracha. And Yitzchak is terrified. Yitzchak thinks he's made a big mistake. How could it be that the bracha, which is the right of the firstborn, was given to the younger brother? And Esau says to Yitzchak, this isn't the first thing. Previously he bought my Bechorah, he bought the firstborn from me. And now he stole my bracha. Yitzchak didn't know about that. He bought the firstborn from me, yes. Esau tells him the story, the story at the beginning of the parasha. The day when Esau comes home. And he's hungry. And he sees Yaakov cooking up soup. 
And he tells Yaakov, give me some of the soup. And Yaakov says, what will you give me for it? And he says, ha, my bechayra. I'll give you the bechayra for a bowl of soup. Fine. It's agreed, it's signed, it's sealed, the deal's done. So Yitzhak says to Esav, you sold your bechayra? Yes. That I have nothing to feel bad about, says Yitzhak. If Yaakov bought the Bukhar, then he has the rights of the firstborn. It was orchestrated in Minashamayim that I gave the correct son the brothers. Gam here, he deserves them. He deserves them. If he bought the right to be the firstborn, then the brothers belong to the firstborn. So Yaakov deserves the brothers. And how much did Esau cry? And for the rest of his life, he hated Yaakov for the fact that he lost the bracha. And this is what I call the tragedy of Esau. Not the tragedy that he lost the bracha at the end. That was self-inflicted. The tragedy was that when he had the bachira at the beginning, and he, with the bachira was the right to that bracha, and he sold it for a pot of soup. As the Pasuk says, Vayivez Esav Esabukhaira. Esav despised the Bukhaira. He disdained it. He never realized how much he was losing. He sat, he ate, he went. He thought he made a good deal as well. It was only many, many years later that Esav realized the tragedy of his mistake. And that's not all. The day that Esau sold the Bukhara, Chazal Teras wasn't a good day for Esau. He made a number of serious mistakes that day. He had committed murder. He had committed other errors. But we don't find in the Torah he was punished for them. No doubt he was, but the Torah doesn't talk about it. The Torah just talks about the story of the Bukhara. And then too, it wasn't a punishment. It was a consequence. Because you sold the Bukhari, you lost your brachas. A person has an ability and he doesn't realize that by misusing it, he's losing so much more. By grabbing the handful of pennies, he's losing the full value of what they were each worth. And where is this practical to us? What can we take out of this lesson? The lesson... That a person has things which are tremendously valuable and he can sell them for nothing. He can sell the Bukhara figuratively for a, a bowl of soup. Where it's negated to us, where it's practical to us, is when it comes to our mitzvahs. The mitzvahs which we've done are valuable. The mitzvahs which we've done entitle us to reward of Ayla Mabah. And the reward of Olam Abba is immeasurable because we're talking about a time which doesn't end. And therefore there's no way to give a value to a mitzvah. On the Mishnah Pergavis where it says don't judge a big mitzvah for a small mitzvah and it's commonly meant to, meant to mean 
that you don't know which is worth more. But the Mephoshim explained it differently. Means you don't know the value of any mitzvah. Any mitzvah is more valuable than you can imagine. And therefore don't say this is worth more, this is worth less. Every mitzvah is worth an amount which is beyond our understanding. So a person who's done mitzvahs is holding on to diamonds, is holding on to something which has tremendous value. And here's the tragedy. It can be sold for soup. When the Gemara says that for a person who doesn't deserve Ayla Mabah, so Hashem pays him back his mitzvahs in this world. And the Chayos of Vavis asked the question, how do you pay mitzvahs in this world? What currency is there which is worth a mitzvah? And they answered, in real terms, you're right. In real terms, nothing is worth the value of a mitzvah. If a person would give a house full of wealth for schayr and shemaim, for a mitzvah, they'll make fun of him. They'll ridicule him. That's not the fair price. The mitzvah is worth much more than that. So how does a person get rewarded for a mitzvah in this world? And they answer, because he wants it. Because he wants to trade in the mitzvah for this world. It's not a clever deal. He's losing a lot. But if that's what he wants in response for the mitzvah, he can get it. And right now he thinks he gained tremendously. He got whatever he needed because of his mitzvahs. And it's only in the long, in the long term that he'll learn the tragedy like Esau did. What he lost out as a result. And therefore Chazal tell us that if a person wants to ask for something, whatever the something might be, but a person is asking Hashem for to give him something, never ask for something as a reward for a mitzvah. You don't want that tefillah to be answered. You don't want to have to trade in a mitzvah for something. Chazal say, even when Moshe Rabbeinu asked Hashem to allow him to Eretz Yisrael, he was asked, Ka'ani Pesach. Like a poor person knocking at the gate. He's asking for a handout. He's asking for tzedakah. Could Moshe not have said, Hashem, I've got so many schosim. I deserve Eretz Yisrael. No, Moshe would never do that. Moshe would never do that. Because one doesn't trade in mitzvahs for things here. It's not worth it. There's an unbelievable story I read about the Chavetz Chaim. Unbelievable story. And the story is that after the Great Depression of 1929, when the finances of the world all crashed, so as always, when there's a financial downturn, the first ones to feel the brunt of it were the yeshivas. When people aren't making money, they stop their donations. And there was a meeting in the Chafetz Chaim's house of a number of Russian yeshiva from Lithuania who were all facing the same financial crisis. And they met to discuss ideas. What can we do to try to keep the yeshivas stable? To try to keep them afloat? What can we do to make sure that we have food for the Talmudim to eat? And it's interesting how Russian yeshivas think. The story goes that one of those assembled got up 
And he said, he has a plan. He said he's willing to offer the mitzvah of tefillin one day that he put on. One day is tefillin. That is the schus for that Hashem should give food to all the yeshivas of Lithuania. He's willing to trade the schar of one day's tefillin so that Hashem should feed all the yeshivas of Lithuania. And he thought that there was a clever thing to do. And the story goes, when the Chofetz Chaim heard that, he shut up, don't do that. That's not a good trade. It's not a good trade. One doesn't gain more by keeping all the yeshivas functioning. So many students learning Torah. We never trade mitzvahs. It's not worth it. A mitzvah is worth much more than that. And that's the same you said. A person is a schus. A person is a schus. He doesn't realize the value. The Dibnamagin gives the marshal of a king who died. He leaves the prince in charge, but the prince is still a little child. So the prince decides he wants candy. What does he have valuable in the palace that he can use? He doesn't have access to money. But he finds the royal crown. So he takes the crown. And he goes to the nearest store. Fills a bag with candy and he says, I want to buy this. What's the money? The royal crown. Stalker looks at him, I'm sorry. I can't sell you the candy for the crown. So what? The crown isn't worth as much as the candy is. He says, Prince, you're still young, you don't understand. The crown is worth a million times more. But I can't give you anything as valuable back. The whole store is not worth a royal crown. But then let's say there was an option. Now the prince would say, I'm giving you the crown. Give me the candy. I want to trade. And if for whatever reason the shopkeeper agreed to do it, so right now the prince would be happy. He's going home with a big bag of, can- big bag of candy. It's only later he's going to realize how much he lost by such a bad deal. And it's the same thing. To look to replace a mitzvah, As much as we think we're going to gain, it's only afterwards you realize that we only lose from it. Mitzvahs are irreplaceable. And this is the oymek. This is the depth of the mission in Perikavos. The mission says in Perikavos, Altiyu ka'avodim hamisham shem esarav al-manas l'kabil pras. Don't be like servants who serve the master in order to get reward. Don't do mitzvahs in order to get reward. But the question on the mission is, the mission is written in Hebrew. And in Hebrew we know the word for reward is Sachar. The saying Sachar Tov L'Chalaboytchem B'Shim Chabemis. Give reward. The word, for, the word for reward in Hebrew is Sachar. And then the, the mission should have said, Al-Tiyu Ka'avadim Ha-Misham Shemesarav Ha-Manas L'Kabal Sachar. Don't be like servants who are serving in order to get reward. Why does it use the word press? That's not a Hebrew word. And I heard from Rabbi Moshe Shapira that we know whenever the Gemara uses the word press, it means a piece. For example, it's a Kedai Achilas press. The amount of time it takes to eat a piece. It's not the whole loaf. 
A halaf is a kikar. A piece of the loaf, a slice of bread is called a press. And that's what the mission is saying. It's not don't serve Hashem in order to get reward. But understand that the reward you want to get is only a piece of the reward. And that's a tragedy. Don't serve Hashem to get less than the full reward is worth. If the reward is going to be Olam Abba, it's going to be Ruchnias. Don't trade it in for a piece. Don't give up so much to get back so little. I have to share with you a story. A story which I heard many years ago. And even today, when I say it over, I still find it tremendously powerful. It's a story I heard from Rav Hanania Cholak. Today he's the director of Ezimitzion. But many years ago, when Rav Shach was still alive, he was a personal assistant to Rav Shach. And Rav Hanania tells over the story. He said one time, he was sitting with Rav Shach, it was towards the end of Rav Shach's life. And Rav Shach tells him, he says, Hanania, he said, I'm worried. He said, soon I'm going to leave this world and I'm going to go up to the basin Shalmalu. And when I get judged, they're going to look to see what reward, merits do I have, what schosim do I have. What am I going to tell them, Khananya? Which schosim am I taking with me to Basin Shalmalu? And Rav Shalak said he was shocked. If anybody doesn't need schosim, or if anybody has a tremendous store of schosim, it would be the God Ladar. But Rav Shach asked him again the same question. What schosim am I taking with me to Shemaim? So this time Rav Shalak replied. And he said, Rosh Hashiva, I don't understand you. What's the question? What schosim do you have? He said, didn't you stand at the helm of Yeshiva's Panovich for over 40 years? Didn't you teach thousands and thousands of students during that period of time? Didn't you write the Aviyazri tense for him on the Zerambam? Weren't you the one who gave advice to thousands and thousands of Jews? The one who stood at the helm of the political party, Dekalatara? What does the Rosh Hashim mean that he doesn't have schosim? And listen to the punchline, Rabbi. Listen to Rav Shach's answer. Rav Shach answers Rav Shalak. He says to him, he said, I know about all of those. He says, but you should understand. He said, for all of those, writing Sfarim, being a Rosh Hashiva, leading Klai Yisrael, he said, for all those things I got rewarded. I was honored in this world. And he said, going up to Shemaim with the mitzvah which he got honor for already here, is like getting onto the bus with a bus ticket which has already been punched. Even the honor a person gets for a mitzvah detracts from the schar of Shemaim. He's already been paid for it. Now, of course, when we're talking about Rav Shach, we're not talking about someone who's looking for reward in this world. But look at the clarity we understand. Even something as small, so to speak, as the honor a person can get here for doing a mitzvah, is already considered to some extent to be a trade for the mitzvah he's done. To look to get rewarded in any form for the mitzvahs here, is repeating the mistake of Asaf. Repeating the tragic mistake of Asaf. And as the Torah shows us so graphically, how at the time Asaf had thought he'd made a good deal, but at the end of the day, Asaf cries bitter tears when he realizes how much he lost. When we have schosim and we have the opportunity to gain them, 
we should never fall into the same trap of trading in something which is worth so much for just a bowl of soup.